You are now entering the Mix You podcast. No credentials required. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 13 of the Mix You podcast. This is Lee Fields, and I'm all by myself, but for good reason. Last month, we were at the Philo Conference, which episode 12, you would know that because we recorded the episode live. Make sure you go back and listen to that with Robert Scoville. We also, at the conference, did a breakout called How to Not Waste Your Church's Money. We thought it was really great. Some cool stuff came up, so we wanted to share it with you guys in its entirety, unedited, because how else would we do that? Also, I want to remind you, August 21st, we will be in Boston. You can get tickets, www.mxu.rocks. Also, be on the lookout for an announcement about Orlando dates in November. And other than that, we've got some uh, kind of exciting news coming. I can't share in detail with you yet, but uh, keep your eyes peeled on social media, emails, and things like that. We've got some really big announcements, a completely new product we're launching, and some services. I'll leave it at that, let you be curious, and enjoy How to Not Waste Your Church's Money. Welcome to the first breakout of the session. How was the main session? Good. Well, thank you guys for being here. Who was judging everything so hard? Be honest. Yeah. Every hand should go up yeah. right now. How many of you guys were at MixU yesterday? Man, thank you so much for being a part of that. I hope it was helpful. Hope you had a great day. Um, How many weren't there? What the heck? We're just kidding. It was sold out. You couldn't come anyway. So for those, for those of you who weren't here, who don't know us, um, this is my friend Lee Fields and Andrew Stone. I'm Jeff Sandstrom. And did you purposely not talk in the mic when you said my name? I did. This is yeah. Lee Fields and then the guy we're embarrassed about. This is Lee Fields and Andrew Stone. And I'm Jeff Sandstrom. <laughs> Works out really nicely for you, doesn't it? Yeah, it's great. Um, but as you'll notice on the screen, we've now adopted the official spelling of Sandstrom from the original Swedish, thanks to our Swedish gurus friends. And... Just, just so you know, we discovered yesterday from them that those dots over the O are actually called pricks, which makes a whole lot of sense in this context. Yeah. Yeah. So all the time we were actually saying that, you thought we were talking about just your spelling. We weren't. My question, though, is are the dots now redundant? Like they, they cancel each other out? They cancel each other out? I don't know. Well, they're okay. just out of phase. I think it's it's, an, it's, an it's additive. It's an it's additive. Yeah, 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 okay, good. Now that we've got that squared away, we're supposed to talk about how not to waste your church's money. So, um, on, honestly, for us, this is a huge topic because we get questions all the time at events or through the podcast or through social media about stewardship. And actually, we get questions about gear. We do. We, no one asks about No, no one asks be, about stewardship. No. They ask about gear. And what console should I buy? And what PA should I buy? And what's the best PA? And Lee has personally left and joined several Facebook groups multiple times over the question of what's the best console, as if there is some sort of holy grail of answer on that. And so we just wanted to reframe the, the topic today and not talk about gear, but talk about gear through the lens of stewardship, because at the end of the day, that's kind of what it has to be about because we have a responsibility to be accountable to the resources that God has given us. So that's right. we might be here till nine o'clock tonight. We'll try to finish on time, but it might be a long conversation. So let's go. So we just have a list of stuff here. So we just kind of have some statements we're going to make, and then we're going to talk about them. And this can be interactive, and you can give us amens and shout us down, and you can boo if you think we're wrong, and then we'll tell you you're wrong. It'll be great. If half the room leaves after some of these points, we'll know that we it's working. Have, yeah, it's working. Yeah. That's right. All right, you ready? Let's just get right into it. Here's how to not waste your money. Number one, I don't know everything. All right, have a good That's day. That's worth a clap. As Stan said at uh, the beginning of Mix You yesterday, that was like somebody missed a 12-foot putt by eight feet. And <laughs> right. Nobody cared. So the reason we started MixU is because the three of us knew that we didn't know everything, and we wanted to be able to learn from other people who were willing to admit that and learn from each other in terms of our approaches and our techniques and our workflows and our preferences and all that stuff. And so I think just starting with um, a, 
a position, a posture that says, I'm going to humbly admit that even though this church hired me and there's a director word in my title, I, I really, it's okay that I don't have all the answers all the time. It's okay that I don't have every spec sheet on every piece of gear. It's okay that I maybe don't quite understand what our senior leadership means when they try to define their vision and I need to ask more questions and I need to get advice from other people because that's, that's what we do all the time. So somebody really cool, a lot smarter than me, told me this a long time ago. First of all, before I say the statement, does everybody know what a Rolodex is? Nope. Who doesn't? Okay, Lee doesn't know. Who doesn't know? They were out before you were born. So, Who doesn't know what a Rolodex is? It's okay. You can raise your hand. There's more, really, three people. Everybody else knows what it is. Okay, well, Lee. They never used one. But they've never used one. They've, they've seen one they in, saw a movie. It in a movie. Yeah. He told me, um, and this guy was a tour manager that had tour managed for every old, big, cool band you've ever heard. He's got the coolest road stories. Like and all Backstreet that. Boys and like Nirvana, like all the old, yeah. old, great old bands. You're the one that thinks Motley Crue is vintage. You're not arguing either. So he said this, and he would regale us with stories of, yeah, when I was on the Fleetwood Mac tour in 76, and I was like, I was pooping myself in 76. Got it. At 86 but he, and 96 and 06. So he said, uh, we were just having one of those conversations of like, man, you can go to any country in the world, do anything, and you kind of always have the answer. And he was just like, that's flattering. But he was so had done it so long, he didn't even care about ego anymore. He's like, that's flattering. But you know what, Andrew? The person who's the smartest one in the room is the one who has the most contacts in their Rolodex. And I have never forgot that. That was late 90s when he told me that. And I didn't start working in a church till uh, about 05. It's so true. It's more true now than ever. And it f follows us along. I am usually the dumbest guy in the room. That's okay. But what makes me the smart guy in the room is that I know who to call and I know when to get information. And that's what we're talking about. So many times we go in the room and our staff expects us to be the smartest person sitting there, the only one that's got all the information. How do all the technical specs work? Do you know? Uh, no. No. No way. I don't either. But I've gotten really good at being like, I will find that answer out for you and I'll find it out fast. But sometimes we like the hero part. Yeah. The hero part of like, oh, well, yeah, I got that figured out. I'll, f I'll figure out how we're going to spend that and da-da-da. You probably don't, actually. I got a story to tell about this. So I'm a part of a church in Northern California called Bayside. And I'm going to say some things about it that I don't like to say, but it's for context, it's important. We're seven campuses, lots and lots of people across Northern California. Well, our broadcast campus... Uh, last year, we decided to start doing some streaming. We've got teaching pastors everywhere, and we needed to upgrade video. We had a small SD switcher, SD camera, so like, okay, we need, let's do HD stuff, yada, yada, yada. Well, we didn't have a video director on staff, and we needed to upgrade video and start streaming with no video director. It's all volunteers and mostly like audio and lighting guys that were around. So we call our AVL partner and say, hey, we need a video switcher. They're like, okay, which one? And what? they start asking all these video questions. And Jake and I are like, uh, like, like we don't know. So what we did was just related it to what we did know, which was audio. So we're like, what's the like CL5 of video switchers? <laughs> because like this, that was a stewardship question, right? It's like, I know you can spend a half a million dollars on a switcher. Like, we're in Northern California. There's some companies that are located in our neighborhood that are crazy expensive. So they are like, okay, here's the X32 switcher. Here's the CL5. And here's the SD7. I'm like, perfect. Okay, now we've got somewhere to start from. So we bought a whole video system just asking audio questions about video stuff. <laughs>
because we didn't know, but we had someone we trust in the Rolodex. Got it? I got that. Is that right? Yeah, you said it right. Yeah. I'll get so you, you one. So we pulled out the screen and rolled through the Rolodex. We'll find one on eBay and get it to you. Yeah. So we didn't know everything. I don't know everything for sure. Still don't. But the reason this is so important is because of the second point, which is, and where's Casey? Casey's in the back. He said not to point him out, but this is his quote. This is his quote. So our resources, we're not, we're not competing against other churches. We're not competing against one AV integrator over another. Our resources are actually competing against the poor. Because when we, we're in this for ministry, our church is about reaching the lost and serving the community and being Jesus to people. And so as soon as we sort of get caught up in gear and budgets and, well, I'm just going to spend all the budget because they told me I could have this and this is my deal and it's my right because it says tech director on my business card, man, that's a dangerous place to be. Because as soon as we lose sight of the fact that those dollars are actually able to be leveraged, yes, for what we need, but man, if there's a surplus, if there's excess, we got to get beyond this idea that, well, if I don't spend all my budget, then I won't get that much next year. Well, that's a dangerous place to be too, because those dollars can go to, to meet the needs of the poor. And I think this is probably the most important thing we'll say today is this right here, because it really matters more for smaller churches with smaller budgets, right? How many of you have been a part of a church plant before? We started from scratch. Great. Most of you. The tech budget for a church plant is really small. And so is the staff and the resources. So usually when a church plant starts, you have a pastor, and that's usually about it. The ones that can partner with the organization and there's lots of fundraising, they'll get maybe a worship pastor, they'll pay a tech guy on a weekend, and then that's really it. So if you are responsible for the tech budget of a church plant, the first time that you get into the ten, twenty thousand $20,000 range yearly in spending, now you're competing with hiring a children's pastor. You're competing with hiring a student pastor. You're competing with your pastor's living in his family. That is way more impactful than, like we have seven campuses. Yes, it's a large budget. Andrew's Church has a large budget. There's more commas and more zeros there that are involved. But for smaller churches, you get way more impact out of those first few zeros and commas in your budgets than you do when you're spending lots of money. So just think, even when you're talking about speakers, you're talking about AVL companies, every dollar that you don't spend on technology gets spent on the poor. Not men's ministry or not the women's ministry or call all that. Don't think of it that way. Every dollar that you can save gets spent on the mission of your church. And there's a good way, I mean, there's a good way to think about this too. It was really hard for me to equalize coming from a world of touring and, and that kind of budgets and lifestyle and all that for, you know, entertainers and coming to a church. Um, yeah, we have a big, big place with a lot of a big budget, like you said. But the spiritual component of how I suggest to spend money is a pretty big deal. And as I've gotten more used to being a church guy, which I never thought I would be, by the way, um, I'm going to have to account for that someday. Do we ever think about that? We're going to have to hold account of how we lived our life and what we said to people and how we introduced Jesus to people. What I'm not necessarily saying preaching to them, but how we just represented Christ and how we spent that money. There are some people that give money in our church that are freaking broke. I mean, they're broke, and they give money more diligently and a higher percentage than I do, and I'm not broke. How am I going to account for what I suggest to our executive team of saying, this is the best way we need to spend money today? We need to spend $3 billion on this console. Is it really going to help more people come to Christ? Is it really going to help us build more campuses in parts of the city that don't have a lot of churches? Is it going to help us contribute money to a prison ministry? That's a big deal. I don't want to be standing there when I get in front of 
God going, sorry, dude, I kind of, kind of screwed this up. <laughs> right? It's a big deal. It's sobering, but it's a big deal. So now when things come across my desk, uh, I say no far more often than I used to. I'll just, and, and not being a jerk, it'll just be like, dude, do we, we don't even need that. It would be nice, but I kind of see it almost as a luxury. Let's, let's, let's make do with what we have. That's something that I don't think we think about a lot. We were allocated this budget, so do it. I don't know. I don't think I agree with that anymore. I used to, because I was like fighting for every dollar, but now it's become a little something bigger. So it might be food for thought as we continue this trajectory into what we do in churches. Okay, next, and is related. Act like it's my money, not the church's. That's a big one. I'm going to let you all pull the knives out of your chest now on this one. So I got another story on this one, and it's going to make me look silly, but that's okay. So I manage our church's uh, worship and creative production budget, and my wife is our family's CFO. If she wasn't our CFO, I would be in jail, probably. I don't, I'm not a manager. I don't, I don't do well with that. So she manages our money, and she's very, very frugal. And we're also really big on giving and tithing. We've tithed, 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 tithed uh, since we got married. Haven't missed. We've been super diligent about it. I really, really believe in that. And if you're not tithing to your own church, just quit, by the way, side note. If you're not tithing to your own church and they're paying you, Please quit. Do us all a favor. Anyway, um, act like it's my money. So, quit your job or quit doing that. Both. Okay. Cool. One of the two. You pick. Sure. You're just going to leave that right the job there. Quit the job or stop or... doing that. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she manages our credit card, and she said, "Oh, there's a charge for sixty-five dollars at this sushi restaurant." It's like, what was that? I'm like, "Oh, that's a. It'll be reimbursed. I, we worked late, and I took the guys out to dinner. I'm going to charge that to account." And she looked at me and she said, Lee, that's ridiculous. We tithe. That's our tithe money. You wasted that. That was not necessary. <laughs> like, how many times have we done that when you're talking like, well, I got $10,000 a year to spend. I can spend 1000 of it on volunteers. Or I've got $100,000 to spend. And I've got my own $5,000 budget that I can spend on whatever I want. But it's her money. It's our money. It's... It's like I'm feeling guilty right now just thinking about it. Like, man, I gotta be I gotta do better about this. That's good. And another angle on that statement is how would you make choices for your family if you had a budget and a budget item? Like you, you had a need right. and you had the ability to spend three thousand, five thousand, or seven thousand dollars on X for your home. You're gonna paint your house. You're gonna paint your house. Am I gonna spend three, five, or seven thousand dollars because it's my money? You're gonna spend three. If I can. You're gonna talk them down to two if you can. Yeah. Yeah. And you're gonna offer to do the windows yourself and all the trim. My wife is probably already painting it before I decided. Right. Herself. I'm not lying about that. So what would it look like? What would it look like practically in in a in a budget meeting, in a gear purchase, whatever, if we if we started to adopt that mindset. Like, okay, this is what if I thought about this as if it's my money? I think it would blow it up because that's not done enough. It's not. I've, I think there's a number of us in this room that have been at the, in the meeting, at the table, and money is being talked about. And I'm sitting there going, there's a completely different set of rules here. Like, why, why do you wait as an employee? This is a question I actually asked in a financial meeting. Why do you wait to get your awesome coffee when you're at the church? Because they're buying the really cool, expensive coffee beans that you would never buy at home. I asked my own team that. How come I never see you walking in with like a Yeti or something that you brought from home? Why didn't you stop by Quick Trip or something? Because it's free at church. Yes. <laughs> Why do I see you go into the fridge? It's like for volunteers and staff and when we're working, like go grab a soda, grab a drink or whatever. I know we're just talking about a soda, but it's the principle. Why do I see you going and loading up as you're going to your car to go home? To me, that's sort of getting like you're stealing. I'm just saying you do that in normal business, like, oh, I'm just going to take some printer paper, 
home because I got a you know some drawing to do. Dude, you just stole. So I'm not accusing that, but I'm saying that's the spirit. It's like, why are you taking advantage of this great place that we're blessed with that we all gave to? Dude, yeah, that sushi money, it's your money. You probably, if you wouldn't have, I'm mean, just thinking, if you knew that that was not going to be reimbursed, it might have been a trip to in and out I wouldn't have even taken the Jokers. Yeah. <laughs> By right. dang raw fish. Yeah, I'm going home to eat peanut butter and jelly. I'll see y'all in yeah, an hour. See you tomorrow, jerks. <laughs> so if Jenny thinks that, because she's close enough to it to to see it and to see the bank statement, I wonder. It's just a it's just a thought. Like how many of our attendees think that when they see the new whiz bank thing or the whatever whatever who 90 percent of them won't hear or see the difference anyway right. so not that we shouldn't do what we need to do i mean that's that's the whole tension right is sometimes gear needs to be upgraded sometimes we are building a new thing that needs to be outfitted sometimes we do need to make choices between a b and c piece of gear so we have to do that to operate right. but you do in life too right it's i gotta just, buy a car every five or 10 or 15 years if it's, or, or whatever, or it's everything. It's like our pool equipment broke. How first world problem is that? My pool motor broke, I had to replace it. <laughs> and it was, oh gosh, we didn't talk about this. This really applies. It's like 1200 bucks for a new pool pump, but I keep getting sick and tired. This is so first world problems. I keep getting tired of turning the waterfall on for the kids. <laughs> It's because I have to walk over there and turn the valve, and then the waterfall comes on, and I have to go back and turn it off. It's a 25-foot round trip. It is. Do you, have like a, do you have like a grotto at your house? This is amazing. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's California. The houses come with Right, pools. grotto. Right, okay. So when we go to upgrade it, the sales guy comes out, and he's like, yeah, and you can get it automated and put it on your phone. <laughs> and I'm like, Your yes. eyes lit up. <laughs> yes. And then he said... It's an extra eleven hundred dollars, and I, I'm pretty. Bougie. And you're kind of thinking about it. Well, I kind of I like the finer things in life. Of course you do. But that was ridiculous. I even was like, okay, I'm not spending another eleven hundred dollars to not have to walk twenty five feet. So you but talked about like nine hundred. How many stinking times have I wasted eleven hundred dollars at church for something less important? More than that, because it wasn't my money. I've done that. We probably all have. It's like, if I won't do that at home, which is something silly, why am I doing it at church and it's not even my money to spend? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Crickets. <laughs> so, is this all right? Yeah. All right. And I, I think we'll have, we'll have time for questions at the end to kind of make it practical because, you know, we, we, need to, we need to talk about the nuts and bolts. But when it comes, so let's shift a little bit. Let's talk about, okay, when it comes to the actual purchasing decisions, like you've, you know, you've got stuff that you need to do, whether it's an upgrade or a new system for a new campus or whatever. It's like you're in the process of choosing. It's so, I mean... Obviously, it's the case with social media generally, but I think especially with, you know, every, every time um, magazines come, whether it's from, you know, Mix Magazine or uh, even like Sweetwater's catalog or any, any of that kind of stuff that comes in the mail, my wife refers to that as gear porn. And because it is, we, we see the new and the bright and the shiny and it's like, okay, we, but sometimes we do need to make choices. So how do we navigate that because there is a real practical thing. So, you know, the next thing we wanted to talk about is, you know, if we're, if we're admitting we don't know everything, then let's not be so naive as to think that your guy is actually giving you a good deal. How many people have your guy? There's a guy. Raise your hand yeah, if you've I, got a guy. We all got him. Get a second quote. Find another guy. <laughs> he may be giving you a good deal. But if you're like, we're going to get an LED wall, and this guy's giving them to us for 1300 bucks a panel, this is a crazy price. That may have been a crazy good price a year ago, but now they're 600 This happens all the time, all the time. Or what he's giving you for 1300 is crap. And it's going to flicker and break, and you're going to replace let it. And blah, let me blah, tell blah, you blah. something that we did. when I uh, We have a, a vendor that I would consider he's one of our guys. 
And he wanted to do a lot of uh, the remodeling stuff that we did. We started, I don't know, 10 years, remodel- 10 years ago remodeling every space we had on our main campus. And that main campus is 300 acres of property. That's a huge place with a lot of buildings. So it was going to be a big deal. And when I looked at the front end of that kind of a project, that's a lot of quotes, right? To get, I mean, think of all the stuff you're trying to find. And I sat down with him and said, all right, um, we'll talk about you being, he wanted to be an exclusive vendor for us just because it would be easier for one vendor to integrate so many different rooms and spaces and, and get some better deals. I said, all right, if you want to be the guy, you are going to have to show me your end column price. Yes. Now, who would ever do that as a businessman? That's personal. I mean, that's okay. like I want to see your. I want to see the up the what percentage you're marking all this up. What's funny is, like for church, that's become taboo. Is anybody in marketplace guys any small business owners out here? You guys all do this with everybody you spend money on, don't you? Like everybody goes, if I'm going to spend a half a million dollars on something, I want an open book contract. That's a normal thing. I didn't even know that till like. Yeah, five or six years into this, that you can do open book contracts. Yes, your CFO can look into their books and see everything. That's right. So back ten, eleven years ago, that wasn't quite the norm. But I said, I want to see your end column price. So I want to see what you're actually going to make on all this stuff. And you're completely out of the running if it's anything over ten percent markup. Now that's that is ludicrous if, for a business. If he says yes to that, you know he's your guy. <laughs> he said yes to that. Wow. Now, he's not stupid. He's a very smart businessman, and he's done a millions of dollars of work since then. But that that is our deal. If you send me a quote, I don't care what it is. I need a new front field speaker. It's going to be seven, $800 plus power, cables, all that. I don't even look at the quote stuff. I look at the end column. And it'll be a markup thing, like it'll always be 10% or under. I still get quotes to compete with that. Like you can't compete with that, but I still do it. And he knows it. And that keeps us honest. It keeps me in a good shape with our CFO to go, look, here's our situation. Here's what it's available for. Here's what the income and pricing is with our guy. Here's a couple other quotes just to say, you know, we are still in the ballpark. But that's a that's a pretty serious conversation to have with someone. But if they're willing to partner with you, that's a relationship. It's a relationship. I mean, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a relationship for it. So if you want to have your guy, make sure it's a relationship it's a relationship that's built on fairness and someone who's actually coming alongside your ministry, not just someone who's out there to make a buck. And someone who, in best case scenario, someone who understands the vision of your church and your senior leadership. Are we, are we trying to build the best centrally located big building in town to attract as many people as we can? Are we trying to do multi-site as our ultimate vision so that we're going to do a lot of little things well and just be small and nimble? Or, you know, what's the, yeah. what's the trajectory of where we're headed as a ministry? And is your guy going to tuck and run when you have to say, man... Senior pastor came in this morning, and he really feel he was praying. It's been been weighing heavy on him, and we're going to cancel this thing. Sorry, I, the budget's gone. It's over. We're pushing it out six months. Does that person tuck and run, or do they go? I'm in it for the long haul. Because I don't know about you guys. I'm at the age in life where I started working in a church for the long haul. I may not like everything that happens or every way we have to do things, but I wasn't looking at it as a stepping stone to something else, right? So if I look and I associate myself with someone who's willing to have that same kind of relationship, that that is the one I want to keep. A couple of practical things on this. New constructions, remodels, these big projects. When you guys are interviewing AVL clients and integrators, there's something that you can do that not a lot of people ask for. You need to get references for other churches and other projects they've done. If you're going to go spend six figures on a remodel and it's the first one the company's ever done, walk away. Even if it's someone inside your church, oh, we trust this guy, don't do that. When you do pick someone, make them fly you and an executive pastor or a business guy in your church out to see projects they've done. 
spend a day with another church. How is the process for you? If they won't do that on projects that are you, you guys are spending $100,000 or more on, walk away. There's enough margin in those projects for them to pay for you to do that. No problem. Same thing with PA. If you want to, you, you got a thousand seat room, you're going to put a new PA in it. Don't look at a piece of paper with a PA design and decide that's the one you want. Make them either rent the exact design, put it in the air and listen to it, not hang four boxes of a line array and go, well, here's what you're going to get, but it's actually going to be a distributed system and, and nothing like you're going to have at all. Like PA shootouts, you know who wins a PA shootout? Who brings the biggest box? Every time. They're, They're complete crap. Complete waste of time. Complete waste of time. Complete waste Everybody of time. raise your right hand. The integrators are cheering in the back. Everybody <laughs> raise your right hand and repeat after me. I will never attend a PA shootout again. Thank the you. Best, the best feeling I have is when I, when I dare walk to a trade show. I hate trade shows. But when I go to one and I walk past the speaker shootout room and it's just like crickets and tumbleweeds blowing through there, I'm like, Yes. That's perfect. It's a waste of time anyway. It's great. That wasn't planned. That was fun. I could tell. But it was <laughs> fun, good. wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. And I think, you know, the other thing about integrator, I mean, I, it, again, the relationship is so huge. Like, what, what you saw in the press release from the project they did for the guy down the road is, might be awesome. And then you're a 300-seat room meeting in an office building with a 10-foot ceiling, and you say, I want that. Well, you shouldn't because it'll never work. So it has to be a conversation with somebody who, yes, they might be the right integrator for you, but if they're going to come in and try to sell you that for, for that space, that's a huge red flag. When we put a, we did an install in one of our rooms through all this remodel, big space, really big space, um, and it was eight, nine foot ceilings, drop ceiling in the whole space, and it's a really big room set up sideways. There's literally no way to do conventional speakers. So I came up with a crazy idea of let's put in ceiling speakers, ceiling mount speakers, all 70 volt, but let's get really, like the really high-end kind, which you can. You can get high-end stuff, you can get ceiling mount subs. He has everything. those at his pool. Yeah, it is. They're in the grotto, so they're embedded. So, but this space is a really big space. Um, it's maybe, you know, half the size of this room. With a nine-foot ceiling? Yeah, it's crazy. So there's drop-down TVs everywhere, and Everyone just thought I was insane trying to put this thing together, and they thought the integrator was insane. But you know that integrator, the same guy I was talking about, said, I totally get that. And you're right. This is the only way to solve this room. Now, is that unconventional? You better believe it. Is it one of the best-sounding spaces we have on our entire property? Yes. Every time you go in it, you're like, this room sounds amazing because everywhere you're seated, there's a speaker less than six feet from you. And it doesn't have to be very loud. But that's the guy, like a lot of, that's not sexy. That's not something they're going to put in their, on their, you know, look at this cool room we did for this church where you can't see any of the equipment because it's all embedded in ceiling tiles. Nobody's going to talk about it. But when they came alongside it and they, even they're like, that really is like the best sounding room you've got. That leads us to our next point. Yeah. It's the right thing over the best thing. When I say best, I mean the bright, shiny, new, you know, I need to have a nine-box-a-side line array, and I need to have a... I a, saw this in the cool catalog. I saw this in the catalog. I yeah. need to have a SD, whatever, right. Studer, Digico, whatever desk. You know, right. if I only had this console, I'd be... Way better. I'd be way better. Y'all's band suck anyway. It's just going to make them sound worse. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have to say it. That's great. I mean, that's, that's a huge soapbox. For those of you who are on the Mix You podcast, I mean, we have our soapbox moments. And that, that, to me personally, is one of the biggest. It's like, let's get better at what, you know, let, me get, craft. let me get better skilled at the craft. Let me yeah. help my musicians get better. Let me build a bridge between the booth and the stage relationally. Let's, let's get better at the product we're bringing to the PA 
because the new PA is only going to reveal the flaws. I can't, yeah. A new PA will not fix your out-of-tune guitar. You probably still suck as an engineer. Right. Yeah. You talking to me? Well, I was, I was looking at you, but I mean. I got my glasses on. I can actually see that you're looking <laughs> at me. Dang it. But you get the point, right? I mean, a, a new console might solve some problems. But thinking that if I only had this console, all my problems would be solved is a fallacy. Are you saying it's not the arrow? It's I the am, Indian? I am saying okay. that, yeah. Man. I'm offended by that. So <laughs> We're not gonna what about there. PA? This is a good one. Okay, so PA. Because I was told that you can't have a decent sounding room without line array in it. I mean, that's just, I mean, everybody knows that, Lee. But I was told you can't have a good sounding room with a line array. Well, I'm bigger. So which is it? Well, I'm bigger, so I'm right. I was told line arrays are fake, like fake news. They, they sound good. Fake news. <laughs> line array equals fake news. That's funny. Uh, okay. So you're saying that if I went with <laughs> crappy technology from like the 70s and put in conventional trapezoid boxes in my room, that I could actually have it sounding good? I'm just going to keep saying questions. This feels cool. Um, are you saying, are you saying that three boxes in a line array is not a line array? Well, I mean, the picture shows three boxes and they're presenting as a line array. And I mean, they wouldn't be lying, would they? And I read it on the internet that it was right. <laughs> on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I had to borrow your Facebook account. Oh, hold it. You got cut for Facebook. Uh, let's see. Okay. I do think, let's talk about speakers for a second. The most important thing in the audio world to get right are speakers and microphones. The console, to me, has the least amount to do with the product that's going to be given. The source, the microphone, and the PA, way more important. Now let's talk about the specifics of PA. The design of the PA is more important than the brand of the PA. Period. Amen. It does not matter. So if you say, I want a Meyer... PA. I want a L Acoustics PA. I want a DMB PA. You can buy any one of the three of those, and there's plenty others in those categories of great sounding speakers, and it'd be awful. We've been to churches that have spent half a million dollars on PA, and it is the wrong design, and it sounds like garbage. And the manufacturers don't want you to go there because they know it's wrong. You can also, in turn, spend way less money and have the right design, and it sound amazing. We get calls a lot from churches like, hey, we just upgraded our system. We're a year in, but something's not right. So they've just made a significant financial investment, and now they're bringing in someone else, not the company that installed it, not even the manufacturer. And you know what we end up doing almost every time? Turning things off. Turning, turn those top two boxes off. Your bottom box, turn that off. Why do you have so many amps? Turn off half your subs. Turn, oh, that one. Yeah. Turn off who, all your crappy subs. Who was here yesterday? Two subs. Two. And it rocked. <laughs> nice catch. I want to drop it. I know you do. Well, it's a 58. It's it a 58. can handle it. Um, I think, That's get another one. And I think another, another component to this, too, we talk about PA design and deployment. But it's also difficult to have that conversation if your integrator isn't also willing to have a conversation about acoustics. Because the room is going to have, it, it's, a, it's a vital component of the whole equation. And so it's, you know, we were in a, Lee and I were both invited to a church last summer to say, you know, hey, come and assess our new um, L acoustics rig and help our team sort of figure out how to get uh, a mix in here. And they had had a distributor, oh, uh, screw it, it's Saddleback, okay? They had had their, distributed there they are hey what's up guys distributed system in there for years and years and years and part of the issue for me in the in the room with the new design is you know the air ducts and the acoustics that the budget wasn't able to accommodate addressing and so the pa isn't as good as it could be because of you know there was a, i don't know there are other churches too who think you know that if i only had 
a line array would solve all my problems. And that's right. not necessarily just but, a simple answer. But about Saddleback, and these guys are awesome, here's what's okay about that. The value of the church and the environment of the room and the glass and being able to see outside in sunlight in Orange County and white everywhere is a huge value. Is a massive value. It's arguably one of the like core values of the worship experience. They have how tall are they, Connor? Twenty five feet tall glass windows and a hundred feet long on each side of the worship center. Who who wants to mix in there? <laughs> now, who wants to spend couple hundred thousand dollars on new PA and the people that paid for it and the pastors come stand behind you the next Sunday and want to hear the difference from the week before. Who wants to do that? He, that guy, Connor, has got the hottest seat in Orange County. <laughs> yeah. So there. Fix the acoustics, please. When you talk about right thing over the best thing, uh, let's relate it to another a topic that's not audio. Let's go to video. Um, when we installed our, our big, uh, all the, we re remodeled the whole big broadcast room that we do everything from. And we made everything at 720 versus 1080. Now that's what? total heresy, right? You didn't go 8K? Oh, I should have. Somebody tell me that, somebody tell me what's going to display that. You know what I mean? What's going to display, you know, oh, but you could do 4K. Yeah, I could. I could also drill a hole in my head, but I'm not going to do that either. But we went 720 because the LED walls are native 720. They will not display anything greater than that. So it saved us hundreds of thousands of dollars to just scale everything to 720. Everything. And it might be a better product because nothing has to convert anything because nothing. everything's native. So you go for the, what's the difference of the right and the best thing? That was a huge one for us of saying that savings right there, it didn't mean that I got to go buy a bunch of other stuff. It meant that I got to save a ton of money off the budget that they could go use to do something else. So a 16-foot screen, I don't know what these are, 3.9 mil panels is 720. If you look at one of those compared to a 2 mil wall that can be 1080, the price is double. It is not double the experience. Anybody want to argue with me? We can talk about it. It's not. Like, that's 3.9. That looks awesome. They did not need to double their money to go to spend two mil. Like, it really doesn't matter. It's kind of like, I mean, I was, I kind of related for, like, th thinking about the household thing. I related to myself, like, the only time I'll ever see a difference between TVs, consumer TVs, is when I'm, in Best Buy looking at them side by side. <laughs> Once I get it home, it's my TV, it looks great because I'm not seeing it compared to everything else. So it's just that, I don't know, there seems to be a lesson there too. All right, so don't laugh at me. I'm, we do. I know you do, but they're not allowed to. Okay. The only reason I say that is because I'm having to buy a new TV soon and so I'm very frustrated by that process. <laughs> oh, how bougie of you. I, yeah, you just get one at Sam's, it'll be great. I've got one in my grotto I can take out. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> and it's waterproof because it's over the pool. Yeah, that'd be perfect. But the whole 4K thing is weird because Comcast can't even get that to my house. So it's like, uh, whatever. And you can't call them to ask about it either. What am I going to That's right. What am I going to watch? I'm not going to watch the demo, the Vizio demo reel from my... Uh, you could. You could. Oh, so you're going to buy a Vizio now? No. <laughs> I was just kidding when I said buy one at Sam's. Jeff, I'm, get in the game, man. I can't afford a Sam's membership. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Next this slide. Completely derailed. Uh, I use your line, though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> it's good. Oh. Dude, simplest and smartest solution is most often the best. How complicated is everybody's setup? Raise your hand. Do you have a complicated setup? You're all liars. <laughs> Even the simplest design, when you get it put in and they go, oh, yeah, but we need to do this. Oh, we forgot about this. Oh, we should do this. Right? I'm going to pick on Andrew right there. You've spent a long time decomplicating a very complicated system. It's still got some complications, right? But did you go for simplest and smartest? because it translated to the team, the volunteers, all that, right? Even when it came down to console choices, everything. 
in one of the most well-known churches in the nation. It matters. We're sitting here trying to be good stewards of dollars. That also means good stewards of our time, good stewards of how we train the people that are going to do this behind us. Make no, no mistake, we're not always going to be the ones doing this job. So what kind of setup are we leaving for all these other people? The most complicated thing that we could afford? Or could we scale some of that down and go with simple? At our campuses right now, we had our first campus we ever brought online was uh, five or six years ago. And it had become the most complicated <laughs> setup at front of house. And it's a, it's a portable campus with, with a lot of gear. So it's just seriously, I, I would go look at the, at the front of house setup and just like walk away and like just go leave. Because I was like, I don't want to pretend that I had anything to do with that. Because there's so much stuff to make work. And if anything went down, it's a pretty big deal. So our whole goal on some of the campuses we brought online since then, it's how simple can this be? Can we just do one video line out of ProPresenter and it feeds everything and we're done? Why do we have to have all the complicated, this, this screen has this on it and this has a different thing on it and the lobbies have this thing on it and all this complication. No one cared. No one attending even cared. And you didn't have to buy a 300 by 300 router? Yes. To make it happen. Yeah, in a portable setup. It makes sense. The simplest and smartest solution is sometimes the best, and it translates to cheap. But I think a lot of times we look at this and go, what could this be? Could this be, like, as awesome as the, you know, the setup that's, that they use the Tonight Show? Well, sure, it could if you have that budget, but are you going to even have that need how Why would you it, do that? How much of it do you think is, I, don't, I want to tread lightly here, but it's That's a first. It's possible. Yet. Yeah, we haven't so far. It's possible that there's a person somewhere, audio director at some church or a video director or lighting guy at a church who is, because of a misguided sense of, whether it's identity or job description or skill level or whatever, sits there on a Tuesday and just comes up with complicated ways to do stuff to justify their existence. You seen that? Yes. So I walked into the leftovers of that. Yeah. So I, can we can we maybe reframe that so that if if that's you, let's let's find a way to make our calling and make our job not about that, but about how can we simplify and take those hours that I'm spending on a Tuesday afternoon rerouting and regrouping and using the latest, greatest multi-band sidechain, my parallel compression of my bottom hat mic to my vocal. Like, Yeah, but have you tried that? It'll really awesome. make your mix better. No, it's really good, but if if I could take those three hours of button pushing and routing and patching and put that into a person yeah. to help them learn how to push faders better so that I can actually engage a volunteer in what I'm doing and I'm pouring into a person instead. You know, That's I, stupid. <laughs> You're so lame, Jeff. I know. What about your Dante thing? I'm a tech person, not a pastor. I heard that once. Guy said, uh, they, they hired a tech director, not a pastor. BS. We're all supposed to minister to each other. Yeah. So whether or not it's in your job description, you work at a church, it's in your job, job description. If you're a Jesus follower, it's in your job description. So, sorry, another soapbox. Does that mean I get Tell the tax write-off? From me? Sure. Sweet. Tell your Dante <laughs> example. Uh, Dante example. We use loops. It's really important that the loop situation is redundant because time code is coming from that and time code is changing important things. So with Dante now, some people are running all their loops in Ableton via Dante. Well, there hasn't been a good way to do a redundant system with Dante. I'm not going to explain because I don't know, and I'd have to have a millennial come tell you why. But a new box came out, a new piece of gear that would allow multiple primary and secondary Dante systems to run at the same time. And now we can auto-switch a failover between Ableton rigs with Dante. 
Ooh. Sounds really neat. Yeah. Well, we went down that trail this for how long, hurt. Jake? A day or two? It was like lots of paper and a little blah, 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 blah. And then our audio director kind of came in on the back half of the conversation, and he, he was like, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> He's like, it works right now, doesn't it? Like, yeah, it's been flawless for seven years. He's like, then why are we changing it? Oh, cool. You guys want to go to lunch? And I like, and then you went and charge the sushi. Five dollars on sushi. And he got in trouble. <laughs> yeah, it, it just some of this stuff falls under the category of just because we can doesn't mean we should, right? You know, I I really feel like I need a new console. Well, that's just because you saw the guy down the street get a new console. Not, you know, I'm. There's a guy in the room who mixes, you know, his church band on a little smallest possible SI Compact digital console with two drum mics. And his mix sounds a lot better than most people in town. So it's, you know, it's just not, it's just not responsible sometimes. I got one more thing and then I'm going to stop talking because I'm getting mad. Um, when you guys start talking about console upgrade, usually the first question that gets asked is about budget. Like how much can we spend? or you start going straight to manufacturers. Because consoles have become sexy. Like your Instagram picture with you behind a console is now more important than your church budget. Come on. Like it's a thing. Like I gotta get the selfie with me in front of a quarter million dollar console. When your church bans 62 inputs, do you know how many 62 input consoles are less than $50,000 now? A lot. That's your second 58 you've dropped. That's good. Here's the most important yeah. item, though, on our whole list. All right, this is our last one. That one just needs to sink into every, all, every single one of us. We talk about gear and expenditures and all that stuff. Aren't we as people and the people that we're charged to be leading... I don't care if you're a volunteer or whatever. You need to be charged. You're charged with a leadership position because of that. Aren't they more important than the gear that we're actually talking about and using and all that? Aren't they? Let me tell you something. If you don't, the answer is yes. By it the is way. yes. If you don't believe that, we need to go back to to ground zero and figure out why you're even in the role. Seriously, and that's a hard one. Because if we're here just to be technicians and not pastors, sorry, man, everybody's got it wrong. Because that's what this is. We're using technical skill and gear to facilitate a message, absolutely. But the people that are in the seats and the people that we're working with to help make all that happen are far more important than that. I would love it if we can spend less and our church can reach more people by building another campus. Or pour, hey, one, uh, this Christmas, we took a bunch of, of money that we raised and gave it to another church in town. Why would you do that? Aren't you competing with them? <laughs> no. They've, they're hitting it hard and making all the, they're just, they're the flavor of the month right now. And they don't have the capital. So we gave them a bunch of money and just said, keep doing what you're doing. Be blessed with it, right? But to do that, all of us at church were asked to spend less that month. Uh, Huge win. This should be most of the room. Most churches aren't thousands of people and have hundreds of thousands of dollars. Whose tech budget is like $10,000 or less per year? Right, so probably half of you. If I was at a church and our tech budget was ten grand a year, I think I'd spend half of it on people. I would throw $5,000 worth of pizza parties all year for our team and build into people and send them to Philo and do things like this. Right. No sushi, just pizza. Single crust. It's like yeah. way more important, especially in small churches, to be developing people, spending money on building your team and resourcing and education than it is about going from an SM58 to a Beta 58. Like, oh, that's a good one, microphones. Gosh, don't get me started. <laughs> well, the thing that I love about what you guys are doing, what Andrew's doing, some other stories of people that I know, it's like, it's, it's from gear, but it's also systems that are being designed to maximize the ability of volunteers to thrive. 
right? So you guys have created standardized systems across environments throughout the campus to go. Any volunteer can come up to this console, push faders, and get really close to a great mix. You know, Andrew's done a great job at North Point of pouring into people and trying to create an environment where nobody's mixing without somebody beside them. So that there's always this sort of discipleship and this trans transfer of, of leadership and transference of skill. Um, you know, the times that I get to mix at North Point um, is so that Andrew can go and pour into the guys in monitor world and make the M2 monitor volunteer better and have better understanding about the new consoles that are in place so that they can, you know, feel like they're able to engage in, in what we're bringing to the people in terms of message and synergy with the band and all those things. So it's just, that is so much more important than me having the best, shiniest, newest, most complicated thing. That's good. We've got, we've got a couple of minutes left. Is there any, any quick questions on this topic that we can hit for you over here? Yeah. I mean, I, th I think there's a, there's a, so the, the question was, um, sometimes there is a need to convince people to um, do more than what's required now because of what might be required in the future. So yeah, we could get away with something less expensive or less elaborate now because of where we are, but for where the vision is going to be two, three, five years from now, we might want to invest in infrastructure and pre-plan for what's coming. So that's a stewardship issue as well. I mean, I think it's important to, to not have to undo and redo things because you grow. So I think, you know, coming up with, with um, things that are scalable is, is one thing. So in terms of maybe staying consistent within a brand of gear so that as you grow, you, you can, as your needs grow, you can grow, whether it's PA or infrastructure, things like that. But then also, being able to cast vision upward to leadership that at least your mindset is focused not on this would be cool if we had it, but you're thinking from a stewardship place. Well, and you're thinking through the long game. The long, yeah. Sometimes when you're, you're doing these, these, these projects on the front end, your quote may be a little bigger than, than another quote. But if you can identify that and go, look, but I'm playing the 15-year game here. I want to put more padding in the drop ceiling now because in four years when we've grown just a little bit and we realize that we made kind of a blunder and didn't do that, the amount of time and labor it's going to take us to take all this back down and do this thing, why not just put it in the first place? When you can play the long game and have a reasonable CFO or something who goes, oh, I get that. Or when I, we're going to rent some gear instead of buy some gear because we don't have to put $100,000 into these moving lights right now, but we can rent them for, you know, $3,000 a month for three years, and someone else buys our bulbs, <laughs> right? Those things are things you could use. Yeah, I think I think leasing is a huge topic that we didn't even get into today, but right. that's, that's an incredible opportunity that you can leverage toward gear. We are at our time, aren't we? Okay. One more. Okay. One more. One more. Make it good. All right. You were no, no, no. He tentatively raised his hand. That is a great question. Um, what city are you in? You were. You had one red on. That's real life right there. Yeah, I know. Turned out it all, it all comes out. Um, does anybody know integrators in San Antonio to the work with large churches? 
You guys meet right up here on the right side of the room when we're done. Like that. That's how you do it. That's how you make this trip pay off. That's good. It's, it's the Rolodex. You're right. a really big I think you should point. pray again because everyone needs to repent, including myself. Including myself. Yeah, let's pray. God, we're grateful for this room full of folks who are um, just interested in stewarding your kingdom resources well. And, um, you know, in spite of our sarcasm and humor sometimes, we really do want to have a heart for that. And so um, forgive us if we said anything offensive. But um, I just pray that coming out of this session, these folks can at least reframe some of a mindset that says, you know what, our dollars are important because they belong to God and he's entrusted them to us to use for maximum kingdom impact. So um, we just, we trust you. We're grateful that you would use us. You don't have to use us, but the fact that you choose to use us toward your kingdom is overwhelming. And so we're just so grateful for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One more thing, if if you're going to go meet our buddy down here from San Antonio and you are an integrator, don't go. Okay, thanks. <laughs>